The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa, and welcome to Business is Boring, back to share more of the great stories of the people, ideas and change happening in business in Aotearoa. Periods are something more than half the population experience, are the most natural thing in the world, and yet have been taboo and sometimes treated as things of whakama or shame. One business working to change this is Awa, who provide innovative period undies in styles that fit into life from pure comfort through to thongs, and are part of a business that has kaupapa around education, health and rongoa practice. Michelle Wilson, the founder and CEO at Awa, has been on her own journey of connection. Along the way, while building to an award-winning business, doing great numbers and improving lives through its product, mission and the work it does in donating to alleviate period poverty. To talk the journey, the future and the past, Michelle Wilson joins us now. Tēnā Hey, so first up, tell me about your path into business as you started in commercial law and then really kind of found a purpose. Yeah, so that's absolutely right. I was a corporate lawyer for eight years, Simon, um, and it was having my babies, um, Eva and Frankie, that led me towards this journey of business. It was quite by accident, to be honest with you. Um, Although I was good at my job, um, I mean, I was a lawyer, come on, (laughs) I didn't feel much purpose at all. Um, And by the time I had my second child, um, I, I guess you could say I fell into quite a deep postnatal depression. And um, it didn't help that Frankie was a colicky baby that had reflux and didn't sleep. So I probably was surviving on about an hour sleep every couple of days. Um, So I I wasn't in a good place. And that was mostly stemming from having to return, uh, to leave my babies in daycare and return to a corporate law job um, and work all hours, God-given hours. um, and yeah, not really have have a purpose at all. At the time, I didn't know that I didn't have a purpose because, you know, everyone would say and the, the whole ideal of being a corporate lawyer is, oh, you know, you've made it, you're a success. So, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was confused, you know, why I, you know, I look like I'm a success, but why am I feeling this way? And so it was actually uh, dreams that I had had. Um, I'd had these vivid dreams about walking through the Nahere um, with this Māori woman, who I now know to be my tūpuna. But at the time, I, I had no idea who they were. I just knew that when I woke up in the morning, I wanted to go straight into the Nahere and walk. Um, I grew up really outside of my culture, um, like so many urban, unquote, Māori. 
um, my grandmother was part of the migration um, from the Waikato in the 60s. Um, and, you know, she had that ill beaten out of her. So my dad was a product of that as well. So I was brought up always um, being told, you know, don't, you don't need to know anything about your, your culture, your Pakia side, that's the side that's going to make, make you a success. So I, had, I was doing everything right. I thought I was doing everything right, but I still felt, um, yeah, I didn't feel right. <laughs> and that's a real... Um it's a real massive investment, isn't it? And when you've invested so much time in studying, going to law school, working so hard to get the place at the right um, job, you, 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 you know, and, and, and you're really playing that pyramid scheme of, of life, like the law, the law firm, putting in the hours at the bottom so one day you'll be able to be really wealthy and not have to do much at all. Well, not even just being really wealthy, Simon, <laughs> being able to own a home. <laughs> yeah, 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 tr- true. And, and and being in that that kind of like pathway, to be able to then, put, is it hard to then step back and go, actually, this isn't right? Well, the journey on, in figuring out was really hard, but um, just if I take it back to waking up in the morning, dropping Eva to daycare and then putting Frankie on my back and going into the nahere and going for a hikoi, um, I would do that every single day because I was having these daily vivid dreams. I was called to leave my corporate law job and uh, enroll in Tewananga to study Rungoa Māori. And it's funny because... For everybody, I was crazy, but for myself, I, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a, you know, I didn't even have to think about it. I knew that's what I had to do. Um, and yes, I, I gave up a big salary, but it just felt so right and it proved to be right because that's what led me towards my path to business. Uh, so I, I know now that that was my tupuna guiding me. What was the call around rongoa? What was the call around traditional knowledge and, and medicine? Well, I would, when I was going on a hikoi every day with Frankie on my back, I would find this one kawakawa tree and I was called to meditate in front of it. And I became really quite intimate with this rako. Um, and I remember taking some leaves um, one day and then taking them up north to the farm to, to my dad and saying, Dad, what is this? What is this leaf? I had no idea. And he said, that's kawakawa. Your nanny used to bathe us in that when we had, you know, bad skin. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he said, we should try it on Eva because at the time my daughter Eva um, had incredibly bad eczema. She was scratching um, until she bled every night. Nothing worked. We went to um, every kind of doctor and specialist. Um, So we bathed her in a kawakawa and we made Dad help me. Um, We actually stayed up till like 2 o'clock in the morning figuring out how to make a pani pani, him remembering how to make a kawakawa pani. Um, and her skin healed overnight, pretty much overnight. And um, and really, that was the beginning of my business journey, Simon. Um, and so it started with um, the local mums at the kindergarten noticing how starkly different Eva's skin was, asking me to um, make a pani pani for them. And then that grew towards um, their neighbours. <laughs> I remember a kindergarten mum saying, hey, I was talking about your um, kawakawa balm with my neighbour when I was hanging up the washing and she said, oh, can she make some for me? And it really felt like it kind of spread like that throughout my community in Seattle And it's funny because I found myself with this new purpose because I had these orders like written in my notebook. I had to, you know, I couldn't just 
hang out with Frankie during the day. I had to put her on my back. I had to go into the nahiri. I had to harvest. I had to learn how to harvest um, according to the correct tikanga, which is why I enrolled at um, to learn drongwa so I could do it in the correct way. Um, and it was actually another Tiaratu mum who contacted me. She um, was in PR and she said, I've just, you're, you know, you're, everyone's talking about you in the community. I want to write a story about you. And that got into the Western Leader. So then uh, stuff picked up that uh, article in the Western Leader. And I remember being in the library and my phone was just going ping, 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 ping. And I looked at it and it was like, order, 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 order on the same morning that um, the article went up on stuff. And I had about almost $30,000 worth of orders in that one day. And I was, I was, I remember crying in the library thinking like, oh my God, is this fucking it? <laughs> like, is this a thing? What the fuck? <laughs> um, and so that's really how I stumbled into business. And the next day, um, a, um, a career company called me. He said, I've just seen the article. Do you have any need for, um, you know, for help with your with your deliveries? And I'm like, oh no, no, no. This is just a this is just a side hustle, like kind of thing. I can do it. I do it at night time. You know, I stay up till like two o'clock in the morning, writing out all the labels and little notes. And then a manufacturer called me and he said, I, I saw the article and stuff. And that stuff article actually went to the um, I think the Guardian, to uh, the Daily Mail in Sydney, and in fact, it went everywhere. In fact, the craziest place I saw the article go was like um, the Black Christian Women's Coalition in America or something. It was, I was like, you know, I, it was my tupin, I know it was. And so I said, oh, no, I don't, I don't need a manufacturer. Like, um, I can just do it myself. I'm doing it myself. I'm a pot in my uh, old unrenovated 60s kitchen. And then the, the orders just did not stop. And so I called them back um, and my manufacturer um, at the time agreed to stop everything um, while he perfected the recipe, I engaged my dad and we planted out the farm in Kawakawa, regenerative Kawakawa, because he had a bush there. Um, and he learned he Rungwa as well. Um, and that was my journey into business. Um, yeah. That's, that's so magic. And yeah, to feel that, you know, um, to understand that the tupuna were guiding you in the right direction and for it to be a site of reconnection for your father and you as well at the same time. That's probably out of that particular business, the absolute best thing to come out of it. Um, so my dad, um, the most beautiful thing um, was that a couple of years ago he said, you know, I, to be honest with you, like he was in business in terms of just being a, not just, but he was like a general manager and managed different businesses, none of his own. And he spent his whole life, you know, in that kind of corporate hustle. And he said, this has just been the best part of my life because I actually, if I'm honest, I always wanted to be a farmer and now I am. And that was just like so beautiful. Yeah, it was great. That's magic. And then from that understanding of uh, of of business, of the fact that there's a need for, obviously a lot of people were connecting to things that were uh, not petrochemical-based balms, like so much of the things that are put on baby skins are, you know, Vaseline and pawpaw, it's all, it's all petrol, you know, like to have that, to have these kind of um, natural products from this traditional um, knowledge that, that help people. So there's the market there, right? But then what else did you learn in Rongoa that set you on the pathway 
Ta'awa. Yeah, so I was actually in an ona noho marae and it was about 11 o'clock midnight and um, a lot of the tawira had gone to sleep, but I was fascinated by my kayako, um, Afetia uh, Mihaire. She was speaking about how starkly different it was um, for our ancestors, for our tupuna, when they had their ikura, their period, um, to how it is today. So it's a, it's a non-event today, but uh, well, Maybe not so much now, but at the time, um, it was really whakama to talk about your period, to talk about your ikura. Um, and she taught me about how um, it was something sacred. It was something tapu. Um, and when a girl got her ikura for the first time, she would enjoy beautiful ceremony and she would feel special. And when she had her ikura, that would be her time to take autonomy over her own body and say what she is and what she is not prepared to do during that week. And that really blew my mind because I thought, hey, for humanity, if humanity understood, if we went back to those ways, I just believe there would be so many improvements and everything Um she also taught me about how um, our tupuna would manage their ikura. And <laughs> again, that's so different from pads and tampons, uh, plastic-filled, toxin-filled pads and tampons. Um, my tupuna would use a, a moss uh, called angiangi. It, it still grows abundantly today. It's kind of like a soft, soft, uh, really absorbent moss, and they would either wear that... Um, close to themselves or inside, they would absorb their um, waifero, their blood, uh, and then they would uh, rinse it out, dry it, reuse it again a couple of times, and then burn it and return it to earth. And that's really important um, because I also learned that, you know, the earth doesn't just give us life through the trees, but also is our first mother, Papatuanuku. Um, and so when you have this deeper understanding that the earth, actually you were born from the earth, uh, that it makes sense that you don't really want to throw pads and tampons at it that will take more than 500 years to break down. So it's kind of, I was kind of getting that deeper understanding of what it meant to have my ikura. Um, and I really embraced that. I went away and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and I read all of uh, Nahuya, Dr. Nahuya Murphy's books, Te Awa Atua, um, and they just inspired me so much. And I began to manage my ikura using angiangi. <laughs> so yeah, I was using this moss. Um, I just wanted to, at the time, I was really embracing kaupapa Māori hard. You know, I was, I was weaving, weaving kōrawai in, in night classes. I was doing my reo. I was just like, I was throwing myself into it. Um, so it made sense that I, I managed my ikura in this way. Um, and I was actually on a holiday in Rarotonga with my two girls, and I got my ikura unexpectedly. And I thought, hmm, I don't think I can find any angiangi on the island, and I do not want to contribute to waste on the island. So I just free bled. And I remember being there on the ground while my girls were in the swimming pool, and I was just like free bleeding. And I was thinking, and it just, it literally just occurred to me, again, I know this to be my tupuna, and I was thinking, Michelle, you're so silly. Do you really think your tupuna would still be using angiangi today? No, they would not. So I like got out my notepad um, and I started um, gaining ideas of, okay, if my tupuna were alive today, I know that they were innovators. I'm an innovator. How can we put the idea of the angiangi 
um, into a pair of underwear um, that would just be absorbent as the technology even exist, that uh, you could wear a pair of underwear and the blood would be absorbed into the underwear, but you would stay dry and you could just reuse them over and over again and not have to um, contribute to waste. Um, and so I got home and pretty much put every second of my life behind this. Um, I contacted my mate, Kylie, um, because I knew um, that I would need help with this because I just knew that this is going to be massive. Um, it, it took her a little bit of convincing um, because she was a cup user, but I said, no, nah, no, nah, it's going to be massive. So we, um, yeah, so that's how our, <laughs> that's how the idea for our came about. It was called I Am Eva at the time. Um, actually, I had no name at the time, but we, we first launched the business under I Am Eva, named after my daughter. And you launched with a Kickstarter, right? Yeah. Tell tell me about that. And that's, I mean, it, it seems to me as an observer that that makes so much sense to immediately go out there and go, how difficult is this idea for people because it's so fresh for and sure. will people get involved? Like, it seems like the perfect market research or market proving exercise. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, after about a year of um, working with um, a manufacturer, we found a really amazing um, small family-run manufacturer in Sri Lanka, which we've since gone back and met, and they are just incredible. Um, and we, again, I used my community in Seattle um, to trial different pairs of underwear, and when we had a prototype that we were happy with, I knew it was a good idea. I knew this is the way that I wanted my babies to manage their equator, but I didn't know what the rest of the world thought. So we thought, okay, we'll put it on Kickstarter. At the time, you've got to remember as well, I... I, I wasn't going into this thinking, okay, this is going to be my my job. I, I I owned Frankie, and and that was that was my job. Um, I thought that this was just going to be my side hustle, something that I could do to help my daughters, pretty much. Um, and so we thought, okay, let's set the goal at twenty four thousand. Try and get that in a month, then we can pay for the first um, first order. Um, so I, being the marketer that I am, I just put everything behind it, went to PR, went to some influencers, launched it on Kickstarter. Um, and actually the project picked us up on day one. <laughs> so I just had, you know, I had Tupuna guiding me this whole journey. Um, we went on to Kickstarter, uh, sorry, we went, on, we went on to the project um, and we met our goal of 24,000, I think in 24 hours. Um, got to 70-something thousand by the end of that month. Um, and I like this month, I think I've sold just over half a million dollars worth of underwear this month. This, this month? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. We'll be back shortly to hear how Michelle Wilson built Awa from a standing start to half a million in sales a month, leading conversations around understanding the period cycle and the work she does to share the kaupapa of the business. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. 
Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So tell me about that journey from uh, from getting started on the Kickstarter to getting to half a million of sales in a month. I mean, how did you go about taking this product that is quite new in, in, um, in, and it's also a product, as you were saying before, that there was so much fuckamah about, like, you know, girls at school who got their periods having to hide it and the ads on TV, you know, even using kind of like red liquid was was too risque for, for so many years. Like, how do you go about leading a conversation to get people to, 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 to not only have a new product, but to talk about something that isn't talked about? Yeah, to be honest, Simon, it was really easy for me because the kind of person that I, I am is I don't, I don't prescribe to anything that just, I, I go against the grain pretty much for everything in my life. So I love the idea of, hey, this is this is the norm. And um, I, if I don't agree with it, I'll just, I'll just say so. So I, and I knew that this was, I was so passionate about Dr. Nahuya Murphy's research. Um, and I knew it to be true. And I knew that, it, uh, you know, humanity could gain so much from it. So I was just unashamedly, um, you know, me talking about it, talking about the research, talking about how this is so much better for um, our tamahine, for our for our girls and for ourselves, for our bodies, for the earth. Um, so it started um, with just Kylie and I and her old in her little garage. Um, me sending out emails to PR. At one point, we were um, walking up and down Ponsonby Road in our undies to try and cause a you know <laughs> cause a conversation. Um, I uh, engaged lots of influencers. Um, we went to lots of expos. Um, and yeah, a, a lot of people would walk past us um, and kind of screw up their face or even say, like, that's gross. Um, I don't want to walk around with bloody undies. And um, and it's because they they didn't know, you know, of course I would not want to do that either. But I think it's funny, isn't it? Because... In all other aspects of our life, we just expect that technology and innovation will be there. You know, we expect that we're going to need a new updated iPhone every year or so. But when it comes to women and their periods, for some reason, there's there's like a disconnect there that, oh, no, 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 we, we have to just wear pads and tampons. It has to be uncomfortable. You know, it has to go um, with that rhetoric of us feeling fakamar and ashamed and uncomfortable. And um, I don't know why that is. It's probably a patriarchal society, probably the fact that all period products have been invented by men to date. So um, I was just, I just said, no, this is, this. it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can feel comfortable. You can walk around all day um, just in your underwear and feel dry and feel 
like there's there's nothing there and and that goes towards the rhetoric of you feeling tapu and sacred and being in your in your feminine energy and feeling empowered um and so for some people um it, it took a little bit of time and, and it's, it's actually funny at expos I remember lots of uh, cup users would come up to us and say, "What do you think you're doing? You know, cups are sustainable. Um, you don't need. You, we don't need underwear." And I remember after about a year being at those same expos and those same women coming up to me and saying, "Oh my gosh, I am a cup user and I still am today, but Awa has changed my life because I can wear them as a backup. I can wear them um, before my my periods due when it's drying up. No one wants to put." Hey, sorry, there's two men in the room, but oh well. No one wants to put a cup in a, a you know, somewhere where there's actually not that much blood there. It's quite dry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. It's good to it's good to share this. Yeah. So um, but overwhelmingly, um I think that what I figured out really early on is that women need to try one pair. Um, I could do all the convincing in the world and it's not going to get anywhere. Um, and that's still still how I feel today. You know, it doesn't matter how much I tell you. It's amazing. It's it's the woman that try one pair and then they're hooked for life and then they come back and they're like, okay, this is, this is it for me. So I don't feel like today my job is to convince people. My, my job is to just convince people, like, try one pair and if you don't like it, money back guarantee. Um and yeah, that's that's led to the point where we are now. Where yeah, I'm turning over well this month half a million in in sales of underwear. Most of that's still New Zealand as well, which is really great. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And tell me about like um, how you foster that community of people who obviously you've got fans who are um, telling other um, other people who have periods that they need to be trying these. I guess I just talk about the kaupapa, and I I believe that if the kaupapa is good then people are going to be talking about it. And it, it's not just the underwear that I talk about. It's 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 the whole kaupapa of our, which is your your ikura is a time when you're a tapu. Remember, you don't, you know, that's a time for you to take for yourself, to go inwards, to connect with the environment. Um, and so I feel like I'm educating as well as selling a pair of underwear um, you know, uh, teaching uh, the the research of Nahoya Murphy to try and help mothers um, engage their daughters who are coming through puberty, so that they can teach the next generation to feel empowered, um, and also the the Mataka as well. So I think the content and the kopapa is really good, and it keeps people really um, really engaged. And it really, really helps. I think a business. You know, you can't just sell a product. You know, you have to sell a kopapa as well. Tell me about the maramataka that you mentioned there. Yeah, so um, like I said, Simon, when I was on my journey, and I still am deeply in my journey, um, discovering who I am and my culture and te ao Māori, and so I really threw myself into everything that I could, and learning about the maramataka was was one way. And I began a couple of years ago to track my cycle against the maramataka, and it's something that I'm getting um, more and more interested in, and, and I'm about to um, talk about that a whole lot more within our as well. But when I looked back at uh, my ikura against the maramataka, I began to see some patterns and it blew my mind. I um, was so used to during fiddle, which is the new moon, 
kind of, how do I, I would, a lot of drama would happen for me. <laughs> I would get into lots of kind of drama or it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be a great time for me. I became, I, I was quite afraid of fiddle. Um, and it was actually some of my, my Rungawa healing um, buddies, Moana, Malena and Rom, who said, no, embrace, embrace fiddle. Uh, is a time of revelation. So I started to plug my cycle with the Maramataka and I saw some really clear patterns. I saw that during fiddle, instead of causing drama and not really have anything work out for me, if I stayed home and if I spent that day meditating and going for bushwalks, that was an intense time of revelation for me. That is the time where all my best ideas come from um, because I'm going inwards. And then um, there would be times where, for example, I would get really anxious before um, doing a podcast um, or speaking at an event. And I could see through my tracking that actually it's because I was that was during Tamatea, which is not really a good social time. For me, the best time to record a podcast, I could see, was during either Rakaunui, the full moon, or Tangaroa, which we are in today. Um, so for me, Tangaroa was a, I could see patterns of being super productive during Tangaroa. Um, and so I began to change or alter my life slightly um, to accommodate for these learnings in the Maramataka. So now during Tangaroa, for under eight days of that period, I'm just working full full blow. So I'm working from morning till night, and I and I feel fine doing that. But Tamatea, I don't work. Fero, I don't work. Rakonui, that's when I'm super social, um, and it's it's changed my life. And I, I have since learned that um, the way um, the productivity and, and the way a male and a female work are quite different. So a male works to a a 24 hour rhythm. But a woman, she works to a lunar or monthly 28-day cycle. So what we've, what we've had for so long is women having to work within a 24-hour cycle, you know, um, working nine to five every single day, and then saying, okay, you've only got the weekend for your break. But what I've realized for myself, and I'm deeply passionate about this being true for all women, is that's, that's not the way that we're productive. That's not that's not the journey towards our happiness and finding our purpose and our peace and our empowerment and our productivity. So, um, yeah, that's. I mean, and that idea of a cycle it does talk about. You know, the idea of a cycle has things waxing and waning within it. Like mm. it makes so much sense. And it, it, like you said, you know, with the settings of society, meaning that this stuff just hasn't been talked about and thought about and explored as much. Like if over 50% of the population experience something on a cycle that's roughly kind of monthly, um, at, at, at least for a very significant part of their lives. Um, and, you, you know, the fact that menopause is so um, little kind of um, talked about, and that's changing uh, at, at the moment, but has been so little talked about. It's, it's remarkable how, um, how it hasn't been. Yeah, at the centre of culture. Yeah, well, remarkable, but also not because, you know, we've lived in a very patriarchal society. So I guess that just makes sense that that's the way that it was. Yeah, and so important, as you were saying, for your daughters and for, um, you know, for, for, for young people coming up and getting their first um, periods to have these options that, um, you know, don't cause toxic shock like tampons can and aren't as... Um, Maybe as a, a, an intrusive start to something that is, 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 you know, probably already quite fraught. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, all of this is due to me wanting 
um, you know, the best possible life for my girls. And I, I, I remember now that my journey towards learning about the Mana Mataka was because I remember as a teenager, 13, 14, when I first got my period, that I would have, you know, really strong hormonal births. And um, I had no understanding about that. And so I would also often be called crazy. And and that was really confusing to me. And um, that led to depression on its own. And I understand now that actually I wasn't crazy. It was I was probably just in fiddle and I had no understanding of what the moon was doing. Neither did my parents. So I, I think, I believe that this is going to be incredible um, for, for all girls, for mothers to understand and incorporate into their, their learnings and, and, and their journey. And tell me about your plans for the future. So mostly still in New Zealand with that kind of um, reach is really amazing. Mm. Is it a kind of product um, where once you've bought a certain number, you're kind of sussed? Or is it something that, um, yeah, how does how does that work on the, the business and product side? Like, especially if someone's listening and going, do I need to buy 12 pairs? Do I need to, what do I need to do? Yeah, hey, it's interesting because I'm just following that customer journey at the moment. And look, the ideal amount is seven pairs. Um, but what we're seeing right now is that the average person can have up to 12 pairs. And I think a, a little bit of that is because we have such cool styles and fabric and yeah, and they'll, they'll last a good few years. So I think a lot of that is people purchasing a couple of pairs, say three and a half years ago when we launched and, and now when we when we launch new styles, they just want to get in on the on the cute styles. Tell me about those styles as I saw um, like a thong. And I guess if people in their minds think period undies, Mm -hmm. they may not be thinking the thing that I wear with my going out clothes when I want to have no panty lines. Hey, yeah, the thong was my baby because I thought, cool, we've got the organic cottons and they're super comfortable. But I I want everything within our to be... I want when people purchase Awa, I want them to feel so close to a time when they actually don't have their period. I want them to have their matching, you know, their matching sets. And if they wear a thong when they don't have their ikura, then I uh, want them to wear a thong when they have their ikura. So that, that was the long, it took the longest time to develop, um, but that holds up to two tampons or two pads worth of flow. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And um, what would your advice be for people who, you know, who have, who maybe are sitting in a career that they've worked really hard for and aren't feeling fulfilled and maybe do have the call of connection to tupuna or, um, or, or other things in their life? I think follow your intuition. I think so many people don't know how to listen to their gut and listen to their intuition. And I think it's really important as soon as you embrace that. And if you have an idea, if it fulfills a need and, and it's helping other people and you're drawn towards it, um, then you're going to be a success. And in terms of um, where the business is now today and where you are now today, um, what is your version of success? This year, um, well, so we do, we do sell globally, um, but this year my focus is uh, on export. Not just export of our um, the underwear, but export of of the kopapa. So taking taking the kopapa and taking the teachings and and taking them to the world. So a really cool thing that has been happening is that I've uh, received messages from people from Sri Lanka, from from First Nations in Canada, from 
India, from um, Taiwan, saying, hey, I've, and Hawaii as well, um, this is really similar to what it was like for our ancestors. We're just kind of uncovering that. So I'm wanting to take the kaupapa, um, but kind of like pass the mic, like how was it for your ancestors? Because one friggin' amazing thing that I've realized is that all Indigenous cultures believed that periods were sacred and tapu. All of them did. And so, um, yeah, I'm super excited to uncover all of that. Ah, that's so magic. Um, thank you for sharing the story of, of Awa today. And yeah, can't wait to see where you take it next. Tēnākwe, Simon. Tēnākwe. Thank you to Michelle Wilson, CEO at Awa Period Care, to you for listening, and to everyone who helps make this show happen. Do follow Businesses Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Enohora. From the Spin Off Podcast Network, that was Businesses Boring, brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Businesses Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Lab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, te aihe Butler here, podcast manager at the Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.